It's time once again for another thrilling episode of Mark Out Radio. Of Mark Out Radio. For the next hour, sit back, pull the stick out of your ass, and enjoy. Be warned though, smarks and internet know-it-alls will be offended, annoyed, and generally pissed off at what's about to happen to your ear holes. You've been warned. Now, Mark Out Radio. That's a lot of matches that I just threw into chat there. Welcome. Your boy Dark Fox here again with you with uh, Market Radio or Dave, whatever the fuck. I don't care. <clears throat> this show isn't kayfabe, all right? Just calm down. Oh, this is Market Radio Goes Nitro, episode 99 for August the 4th, 1997. Uh, Nitro this week is coming out of the Palace of Auburn Hills in Auburn Hills, Michigan. Hosted this week by Tony Schiavone, Larry Zabisco, Mike Tanay, and Bobby the Brain Eaton. Now, this week... My voice is thrashed. Hopefully you can't tell. Uh, yeah, uh, children are awesome. And they're little disease factories who bring things home from school. Thank fuck it wasn't COVID. So if you're listening to a podcast, you can't understand why there's dead air every now and then. It's me taking a sip of um, just fucking concentrated lemon juice. By the way, if you are watching this on video, uh, either at uh, Twitch or YouTube, welcome, obviously. Um, you you know, the podcast is also doing video stuff now. Fucking cutting edge shit over here. Are you living like it's 2012? Anyways, uh, you'll see that I've got my uh, very sweet, oh, it's all shiny. You can't really tell. My Stormtrooper mug. There you go. You know you want to be teased by a Stormtrooper, you dirty dirty bastard all right let's get the show on the road this is nitro's 59th win in a row over raw with a 2.7 to nitro's 4.4 honestly i couldn't tell you why nitro's ratings were higher this week uh the SummerSlam i'll go home raw was last week it was pretty good SummerSlam 97 was decent with austin winning the ic title from owen hart and bret hart retaining the world title against taker with Shawn michaels as the guest referee i mean on paper, that sounds like an interesting pay-per-view, and it, and it was pretty good. So why Raw's numbers are so low by comparison to Nitro's is probably going to be down to their time that they were on the air, which this week was an hour earlier because of the fact that there were some playoffs going on, which, you know, sucks for them, obviously. 
But um, it, this affected Nitro sometimes too when they had basketball playoffs going on because TNT was built around basketball apparently, not everything, not anything else. Now, this is the go-home episode of Nitro uh, to Bischoff's Playtime free pay-per-view Road Wild. Uh, tonight's Nitro draws 17,616 live eyes with only 13,356 paying a $240,519 gate, generating $136,000 in merch sales. Now, it's a three-hour Nitro card, uh, and it's exactly it's absolutely stacked with matches. Now, this is my only excuse for being on a little bit later than I normally am. Um, if you watch these on replay, obviously you don't care, and rightly so. Now we kick things off with Michael Buffer introducing the show, and some idiot fan blocking the shot with his <laughs> Sharpie-inspired poetry. Uh, the production team has lost count of the Nitros, as Tony claims that this is the 100th episode, which, of course, it isn't. It's their 99th, just like our show. But details were never really Eric's strong suit, and frankly, having the 100th episode just before Road Wild is better marketing than having it right after. I, I can kind of forgive it in a way because it's quite good marketing, and um, really, it's an issue of a single episode. In the wrestling world, that's fucking batting a thousand, all right? The Nitro Girls come out. Kim is still pretty shitty as a cheerleader, and she's out of position and offbeat. Um, but at the time, I was 18 when this came out. So can you guess how much I cared at the time? Or, or now? It, it just, you know. Anyways, the camera needed to get in closer. It was my only critique here. Now, um... Hogan and Bischoff come out to do an in-ring promo to kick off the show. I forgot how annoying fan signs are between the hard cam and the ring. The whole thing was pretty unintelligible, even from a wrestling standpoint. Basically, Hogan's pissed about Luger's lawyers being smarter than his lawyers, and he's going to take it out on Luger tonight. Now, um, you know, just... Uh I really don't think that that deserves the windows to now, but whatever. Uh, production uh, knew short and sweet uh, was the way to go, so they started playing the NWO theme to let Hogan know that he should fuck off. But, of course, Hogan being Hogan, he had more to say, and Bischoff, of course, just, just let him go ahead and repeat himself. And then he announced that there would be a new main event at Road Wild as a result of the Hogan-Luger match happening tonight. It'll be Hogan versus Hall at Road Wild. Now, the announce team gloss over this entirely because it was never booked. Uh, for those of you keeping score at home, it is going to be Hoger, Hogan versus Luger at Road Wild, while the Outsiders, Hall and Nash, defend their fucking tag team titles against the fucking Steiners. So I have no idea what the fuck Hogan thought was even going on here, but whatever he was doing, he was going rogue on fucking Bischoff again. But of course, Bischoff being the fucking ass-kissing yes-man that he is, he just stood there and nod, smiling. After this, Kurt Hennig defeats Mortis with James Vanderberg. I gave that three and a half out of five. It was a pretty solidly performed match. Uh, I thought this was going to be a jobbing affair, but it was pretty good. Hennig takes a nice, gets himself a nice pop with a high knee that sends Mortis over the top rope. When Hennig follows him out, Vanderberg gets involved and Hennig gets another nice pop laying out Vanderberg. Now, uh, Hennig works Mortis's knee and then hooks him in for the Fisherman Suplex finisher that Mike Tanay has now dubbed the Hennigplex, which is a fucking terrible name. Anyways, back from break, the announcers wax philosophical on Sting before a vignette with low volume plays. Thoroughly underwhelming. Dean Malenko and Jeff Jarrett with Deborah in their corner. Ugh. Defeat Chavo Guerrero and <laughs> Chavo Guerrero Jr., excuse me, and Hector Guerrero. I gave that three and a half out of five. Tony uses the entrance for Malenko and Jarrett to announce that they will face the horsemen, Benoit and Mongo, at 
Road Wild. Now, these four in the match itself tonight worked really well together. They got the crowd into the match, uh, sold well. My only criticism here was that Hector was hamming it up a lot for the camera from time to time. Anytime he saw a camera pop up in front of him, he would just sort of ham everything up to the ninth degree. The finish was also a little bit sloppy from Chavo as uh, Jarrett and Chavo get partially into the ring before yelling for Jarrett to come and stop him, breaking up the pinning predicament that uh, Dean Malenko had Hector Guerrero in. Back from break, Gene tries to do a ringside promo with Raven. Stevie Richards runs in to claim he's worked Raven's contract in his favor. Now, in the background, you'll see a lot of biker mamas. However, Raven reviews his contract and then spits in Stevie's face and shoves him. Stevie stands up for himself while some fan gets a hold of the contract. And we go to commercial break for the Nitro Party contest. Now, I don't know if you were a listener and you participated, either had a Nitro Party or you put your uh, application in for Nitro Party. I actually kind of want to hear about that. MLRMarkout at gmail.com. I actually do want to hear about it. Or comment on the, uh, the Twitch or YouTube, whatever the fuck. I, I'm, I'm actually genuinely interested to see if people that actually applied for these got them. Because I remember this gimmick being a fucking train wreck even back then. After this, the Giant defeats Joey Meggs, Lenny Lane, and Scott Tamore in a three-on-one handicap match. Now, I gave it one out of five. Only because of Lenny Lane. Now, the giant comes out without music or his lights. He's just looking pissed, pissed off, which works for him. Then he did the choke slam sign with the turnbuckle fireworks erupting around him. His opponents were all at the ringside, and frankly, the only person who was this buried in this match was Lane, who is a solid lower card performer at this point, and uh, Megs and Damore were born jobbers. So, you know. Even as a promo, though, this was hot, hot garbage. Post-match, Savage comes out to run his mouth with his brother, 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 brother thing. And I guess this was supposed to build some sort of suspense for the pay-per-view match between Giant and uh, Macho Man Randy Savage. Now, back from break, we get a WCW Saturday Night promo where Tony claims that it's the Road Wild lead-in, which, of course, it was. But that was the point. Road Wild was a very weird pay-per-view in WCW and in wrestling history as it's on Saturday night instead of Sunday night. But WCW has done a shit job so far on Nitro, making sure that fans at home knew that. As a matter of fact, Tony didn't even remind fans that it's on Saturday night until the actual end of the goddamn show. Anyways, after this, a shitty Luger vignette plays, followed by Public Enemy, Johnny Grunge, and Flyboy Rock or Rock, defeating High Voltage Kenny Chaos and Robbie Rage. I gave it two and a half out of five. Now, Robbie forgets to act all electrified when he and Kenny do their stupid entrance fives or whatever the fuck those things are supposed to be um and he did it right in front of a fan and shitty hogan cosplay now if you re-watch these you'll see exactly what i mean um if hogan grew up in a trailer park and his mother was also his cousin this would have been what he looked like anyways high voltage looks great but they blow up easily so in many shoot interviews teams will laugh as they always <laughs> said that they let high voltage do whatever they want for the first couple of minutes of a match because they would get blown up easy and then have no choice but to sell for their opponents afterwards which they wouldn't always do when they were fresh after a clown spot um the go home on this fucking thing happened and you know public enemy pulls out the big w even though high voltage dominated the entire match figuratively and literally now back from break and the nitro girls do their performance while alex wright makes his entrance as though they're his backup dancers i thought this was an absolutely excellent spot i just no notes it was fantastic 
I feel like you've been waiting a long time to do that again. As long as it doesn't get us popped on YouTube, I don't care. Uh, now, anyways, Gene does a rant promo with Alex Wright, which starts in German. Gene demands that he stop talking in Wiener Schnitzel, which I thought was glorious. You will respect my authority. I literally softballed you to play that again. We can't play it that fast again? <laughs> Jesus, all right. <laughs> rules. The promo falls apart as Wright stammers through you are all stupid for some cheap heat and starts off promising. Uh, and the thing is, the the promo itself started off fairly promising. So it ending with you're all stupid was just, oh, I mean, it sucked because it started off so good with him talking in German and the Wiener Schnitzel and yeah, just all. <laughs> Not to be deterred, though, Alex Wright defeats Scotty Riggs to retain the WCW World Cruiserweight Championship. I gave that two and a half out of five. First time we're seeing Riggs in, uh, I don't, I, oh, Jesus, here we go. You know, it's either this or Glorious that get us in the most trouble. You know that, right? Yes, I am sensing you don't give a shit. All right, let's just turn that down a little bit so I don't get shit on fucking YouTube again. All right, anyways. <laughs> First, I reach back and he's like, Are you done? Can you Thank you. Jesus. Riggs is back and he's looking good. The new protocol is allegedly doing a good job of burning off all that baby fat. Uh, Wright finishes off Riggs with a missile drop kick, which Tony claims is one of Jericho's moves. Is it though? I mean, pretty much everyone uses a missile drop kick off the top rope, even in 1997. Anyways. Back from break, we have an Okerlund ramp promo with Luger. Luger claims that this is the night and he will def that it will define Luger's career and he is going to dominate Hogan and blah, blah, blah. And he promises yet, it, you know, I, spoiler alert, it is. But I mean, it's just promos are not his forte. Coming out and flexing and yelling every now and then, that works. But it just talking is just not. Oh, God damn you. I hate you, motherfucker. Anyways, Chris Benoit defeats Six after this via disqualification. I gave that two and a half out of five. Now, during Six's entrance, the camera finds a fan with a sign that says Raw sucks. Now, Vince would often accuse Bischoff of planting these signs as mentioning WWE on TNT was creating drama for Eric and was occupying too much of his time. Now, Eric's never really denied planting the signs or making sure that the live cams can find them. But he's also never admitted it much until later when he started doing shoot interviews and he started doing his podcast. And then every now and then someone would sort of catch him and he would admit that he did in fact have these signs made up and would pass them out to fans that didn't show up with signs that night, depending on where they were. And then notify production of where they were so that they could sort of pan over them passive aggressively. Anyways. Now... When we do talk about on the show wrestlers shooting on one another, it has to be noted that like Conan, Six wore hard plastic skateboarding knee pads. Now, he claimed they provided better padding, but in this match, when he kicked Benoit, he was too close and drove the hard part into Benoit. Now, within seconds, Six was outside of the ring and Benoit performed a suicide dive high up on Six's body, which is not where you technically want to do that. You want to do it low down so the guy can sort of catch you in front of his chest and sort of fall on his own steam unfortunately for six benoit jumped so high up on him and benoit's such a big guy that he just flattened six his uh, head and shoulder smashed into the floor at ringside partially missing the padding and knocking him a little bit loopy for a bit now moments later six got benoit up in the tree of woe in the corner and performed a high bronco buster 
right into Benoit's groin and stomach. Also probably did not tickle. Now, this wasn't a sloppy match as a result of these little shoot incidents, but it was hard to watch at times how stiff it was becoming. Um, it did calm down a little bit when Jarrett did his run-in uh, and hit Benoit. But, of course, because Jarrett doesn't really like Six either, uh, when he hit Benoit from behind, he also pushed him forward, which knocked Six off of the top turnbuckle as he and Benoit were on the top turnbuckle. Now, I did watch it back a couple times in slow-mo, and I couldn't tell whether he was working, hitting the steps, or if he was, shoot, hitting the steps. If he shot, hit the steps, bravo. Um, if it was a worked, um, that's going to be probably on Jared at this point. Now there's a schmoz in the ring between Jared and Benoit. Then Mongo comes out followed by Malenko and the horsemen eventually clear the ring as we go to break. Now back from break, the Nitro girls are back as the announcers lose their ability to speak. Um, when I was 18, yeah, uh, yeah, probably. But see, the announcers aren't 18 year old hormone filled morons. Anyways, Booker T then defeats Vincent. Um, Jesus. Zero point zero. I mean, Vincent jobs all alone uh, to Booker T. I, I don't even know what to say to this. I, I mean, I get, I understand that Eric didn't know what to do with him. So he was in the NWO basically just to pose menacingly and shit like that. But like, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of Vincent, but this was, that. that's even harsh by my standards. After this, there's a excuse me. After this, there's a Gene ramp promo with DDP. Um, he's putting Henning on notice and has Flair's number tonight. Eh, it was okay. After this, Wrath comes another ring with James Vandenberg, and he defeats the Barbarian. I give that two out of five. Back from break, Barbarian comes down to the ring with his elbow all wrapped up. That was a pretty shit match, really, with Barbarian jobbing out hard here. Um. I, I get what they're trying to do with Wrath and build him into a monster, but it didn't actually have to be so short and one-sided when going against another monster. Like the the weird thing is that the the faces of fear have gone on to. Uh, oh my God! Fear driver! Fear driver! Did you see the fear driver? I actually kind of miss McSugar, but anyways, um, the, Jesus, thank you. By the way. Uh, the thing is that the Faces of Fear have long have always been this monster tag team, and they were beat up by the Outsiders, so they were no longer a monster tag team per se in, in the old wrestling way of building a monster that just never gets beaten. And Wrath has been beaten a few times, both in singles and in competition and in tag team competition. So the fact that they jobbed out Barbarian to this guy was kind of a shit fucking move, and I mean. I won't lie here. It probably had something to do with wanting to get the flying fuck out of there and getting jobbed out to Wrath, um, who's been there for about five or six minutes and has the lamest fucking gimmick next to Mortis. But anyways, Gene has an in-ring promo with the Steiners after this. They bring out Ted DiBiase with them to a decent pop and reaction from the announcers. DiBiase botches most of his lines and almost calls the tag team titles the World Wrestling Federation titles, but then Gene saves him. Hall and Nash come out, talk some shit. DiBiase was not at his best by any stretch. But Gene and the Outsiders did a decent job of covering up for it. Steiners pretty much said nothing here. Back from break, the Nitro Girls are back. Meh. And then we have a 1-800-collected-Lee-Marshall segment out of Denver, Colorado for the real 100th episode next season. Now, I added that last part, but Denver apparently has a weasel venue that went out of business. 
brain does tell Lee to go jump off a cliff. And I just, again, I reiterate that Marshall Lee needs a writer. He's got a whole week on the road with plenty of people who run their mouths for a living. He needs to either come up with better lines or just fucking retire this bit. Just stop with the weasel stuff. Just do the one hundred collect thing. Just, yeah, that it's good enough. Just like that. Conan defeats Psychosis with Sonny Ono in his corner. Two is a match. Three and a half as a promo is going to be the rating on this one. Cholo Conan, thankfully, seems to have retired the stupid hat, but is still rocking those hard elbow pads. Conan's finisher looks great and is super safe as he modifies his tequila sunrise. Post-match, Ray comes down to ringside to get bullied by Conan in the in, before revealing a swerve and nailing Conan with one of his crutches, busting it across Conan's back, which was actually a very, very cool spot. Good grief, my throat is killing me. All right, after this, Ernest Miller and Glacier defeat Damien and Silver King. I gave this one two and a half out of five. All night, the buys... Um, <coughs> excuse me. All night, the boys have been talking about J.J. Dillon offering Sting a contract, and I've tried to ignore this whole offer he can't refuse bullshit line, but at this point, Brain says it again, and it finally just gets on my nerves. It's a stupid fucking line, and it should stay the fuck out of wrestling. It's a lame-ass line when it's used in gangster movies. Just stop. And wrestling, despite their best intentions, is not a fucking gang. Glacier continues his permanent bulk. Tony throws to Tanae as he teases a new documentary production into Lucha Libre Wrestling. I remember being into it, uh, like Lucha Wrestling, and I continue to enjoy Lucha, but I can't remember this production, so when this comes out, I think I'm going to have fresh eyes on it almost. Uh, maybe it'll trigger some memories and I'll turn it off. Who knows? After this, Miller ends with his weird jumping kick from the top rope that looked okay, but a little bit clumsy since he started forward jump backward and then jump back forward again as his leg was cut. It was just weird and, and probably would lead to an injury if done too blown up. Anyways, Bischoff then has an in-ring promo after this because one at the top of the show wasn't enough. There's still an hour of showtime left, so strap in for a snooze fest. Uh, he starts off addressing Zabisco and Giants attacking him last week and then calls out J.J. Dillon to answer some questions. Now, J.J. comes out very slowly and uh, when he does get in the ring, he's looking away from the hard cam. So Bischoff, cleverly at least, gets him to turn. JJ buries Eric's entire promo, which was pretty much the perfect way to end that promo. He just laughed at him uh, for his threat, uh, which is fine, except that it took seven minutes to get there. I just, yeah. Back from the break, the Nitro Girls are dancing at the announce position and things got a little creepy with Brain asking for kisses. Goodbye. Oh. Now remember, this was the late 90s, so while this was extraordinarily creepy, no one was getting canceled for this kind of stuff back then. It was just, you know, people laughed it off, which in retrospect probably should have been more of a warning sign. All right, anyways, um... After this, Diamond Dallas Page defeats Ric Flair via DQ. Now, I gave this four out of five. Now, before we get into the match here, we need to talk about signs. Some of you are really quite good artists, and others are very clever. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on those because, frankly, Botchmania does a great job with that. But I will say this to the guy that made the overly muscular DDP poster at ringside tonight. It is now up. Um, if you're watching this on video, it is now up there. Um, it says bang, bang, DDP. Um, 
It is exaggeratingly muscular for DDP, but of course, you know, comic books often are. Um, but y'all made his ass tighter than Kim's. And my man, you made it weird. I mean, just really weird. Uh, all right, so me spending this much time on it is also weird. But I mean, what's gonna make it more weird is me leaving that screenshot up there for the rest of the show. Uh, you don't want me to, all right, all right, I'll change it back. One last look at the butt for the girls in the audience. There you go. All right. I don't know why cartoons get people off, but there you go. Flair comes down to ringside. Hennig comes out to shake his hand and then leave. But as DDP takes control of the match, he comes back out and we go to a break. There's an NWO light for life shirt promo. Jesus, during this commercial break. And back from break, Flair is now in control. There was no interference, luckily. Some jackass from the crowd got over the guardrail to the left side of the hard cam, drawing the attention of the crowd from the match while security got a hold of him and whipped his ass all the way out to the parking lot. Page slaps a figure four on Flair, who pokes the ref in the eyes as Hennig comes in and gets rolled into an inside cradle. Somehow, the ref didn't think that Flair's assault was worth a DQ. So after Flair got to the ropes, the match continues. <clears throat> now... The ref does DQ Flair as Hennig comes in with a foreign object wrapped around his wrist. He didn't hit anybody. He just came into the ring with it. DDP does get his hands on it, then tosses it to the ref as Hennig and Flair work him over for a bit before DDP makes his comeback, clears the ring for a nice big pop. After this, Los Villanos, number four, number five, defeated Hector Garza and Liz Mark Jr. I give this one two and a half out of five. Uh, back from break, uh, the teams come out. Garza is getting pushed by WCW hard, but has some problems with his work, getting over, and staying healthy. Lismark looks a lot better physically, but his gear makes him look like a cartoon character. One of the few times Garza's corkscrew planchas actually do work is when they go when he goes over the top rope uh, to the outside where he's got enough time to do a full rotation. Villanos pulled the little switcheroo to the active man and get the inside cradle victory. After this, Gene does a promo in ring. He calls out J.J. Dillon to make Sting his offer. Now, I know it's the 90s, and that was the style, but the state of these fucking suits i mean and the pants specifically you would not need a parachute if you jumped out of a plane with these fucking things on now jj offers sting an opponent after kind of making an apology on behalf of wcw management sting does come down from the rafters to the ring and is offered a match against kurt hennig sting takes the contract rips it in half and leaves now the plan was for sting to leave the same way that he arrived and uh, they moved the cam back in the ring to gene and jj to allow him to hook his uh hook his rig back up again but for some reason he didn't and left via the ramp the promo did eat up some time without feeling too drawn out and of course allowed everyone to wonder what he wants if he doesn't want a match against hennig well i don't know maybe a match against the fucking champion or hogan Just who the fuck knows it'll be a fucking mystery no one will ever be able to figure it out holy shit it's so weird i don't understand all right yeah, thank you back from break the nitro girls are working the crowd at the end of the ramp and then lex luger comes out and defeats hulk hogan to win the wcw world heavyweight championship belt i get this on three and a half out of five now Luger makes his entrance, and then we go to another commercial break, which I fucking hate. I hate these things, because this more than likely left Lex in the ring to pose and shit for two minutes. Thrilling, thrilling stuff for the live crowd, I am sure. Luger takes control of the match after quite a decent back and forth, which triggers the NWO run-ins, which Luger fights off to some nice pops before hoisting Hogan up into the rack for a huge pop Yet and yet the still ring still fills up with garbage. So I guess welcome to wrestling in the 90s. 
our uh <laughs> All the face locker room comes out to celebrate in the ring. Well, in, and Alex Wright. We go back to the announce position for a wrap-up on the show before going back to the big celebration in the locker room and then, of course, Hogan's tantrum in the NWO locker room. Despite it not technically being their 100th episode, it was a fairly decent show. There were some bombs, obviously, of course, but in terms of booking and performances, but overall, it was a good nitro. The celebration backstage was a little bit odd. Uh, just half-naked men showering each other with champagne is not really my cup of tea but that's just a personal thing three and a half out of five is the score for the go home version of nitro uh for road wild now next week we're going to recap road wild so if you guys want to watch it feel free head on over to the network or wherever the fuck it is that you legally get your pay-per-view viewing done well that was an abortion of a show Should the mood take you, check out MarkOutRadio.com and leave a comment. You can also find links there to our Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Stitcher channels. You can even leave a voicemail on our Skype. Just click the links and share them.